And to that piece of shit, Lieutenant, that's always uh, on his podcast, bash us, him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to New York's finest retired and unfiltered podcast. Put your seatbelts on. We thank you for joining us. I'm John McCary, retired NYPD lieutenant. I was forced to take an early retirement over the vaccine mandate. I refused to comply with that. Uh, we got a great show coming at you today. We're going to go over Sal Greco. He's joining us today. He's going to talk about his his lawsuit, what recently happened, the news. It's it's national news right now. It's hitting. The judge said that his lawsuit is going through, and it's good because he was wrongfully terminated from the NYPD. We're going to go into that update. We're going to go into the hypocrisy of the NYPD, and we're going to go into Eric Adams' failure as a New York City mayor. I'm joined, as always, by the most complained cop in the NYPD, a.k.a. the boogeyman, Lieutenant retired NYPD Lieutenant Eric S. Dim. Eric, how you doing, my brother? Outstanding. You know, it's a pleasure to have Sal Greco. He's been on the show several times. Sal, you've had your foot to the pedal. You're doing a great job exposing hypocrisy. I'm proud of you. Keep up the fight. Thank you, Eric and John. It's an honor to be here once again. I mean, uh, we're all in the same boat together. We all have our own story. And uh, you've been the co-pilots almost of this uh, as we're, we're guiding the ship you know, towards land right now. We're trying to put the ship ashore. You know, that's what we're doing right now. We're trying to correct course. So, uh, so Sal, uh, Eric Adams recently stated that all his haters become his waiters when he sits down at the table of success. And it's very obvious who he was talking about. He was talking about us three plus Roger, who's been on your side fighting this. You know, we've been destroying him on social media his 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 political campaign is is being torn apart by just three, by four regular guys just calling out the hypocrisy you recently served eric adams with something could you tell us about how your lawsuit is now going through and the details of that lawsuit uh, certainly john so my lawsuit is going through what the judge ruled is he actually it was like a split bill was what they call in legal terms but what he did was he took the city out of the lawsuit and left everybody there to be sued personally. So <laughs> the four individuals that work for the NYPD are now on the lawsuit sued uh, civilly, personally. So they're still on the hook because they indemnified Keyshawn Sewell immediately. But as you know, since my case involved the Cardi B incident, and now we have other incidents where Mayor Eric Adams is pictured with multiple criminals alongside his uh, police commissioner now, Ed Caban, Eric Adams, who did had a press conference regarding Cardi B and stated that we don't discard people and that she was invited to the police academy, he will be deposed and he will be in this lawsuit along with Cardi B, who will also be deposed. Both those people right now will be deposed along with many others, John. There's a litany of people and a lot of things that are going to come out of this as we proceed forward. Well, since that we're at a point where we're about to get the depositions. Uh, do you and your attorney at this point feel that it's possible that there will be a settlement to avoid an actual deposition? That could be the scenario. Obviously, there hasn't been any contact. No one's tried to call him yet or myself or mention anything about that. I think right now they're, they're trying to figure out if they still either going to indemnify all four of these people. Right now, it's just, I, I understand it's just Keyshawn Sewell, but 
They have to figure that part out first, and then we're going to see the magistrate judge, and then she's going to set the date for discovery because that's we have a conference, and then at that conference she tells them uh, what when the uh, the discovery phase, the dates for that. Yeah, and just make sure you keep us abreast of all those dates because I, we have numerous supporters that want to be there. I will be there myself. So, I mean, it is going to be a media circus. I believe it's in New York City's best interest yeah. to settle with you. But we've seen Eric Adams is a fool. So we don't know what he's going to do. If he wants to go to, if he wants to go on trial, it's going to be a media circus. And believe me, everybody's going to be in attendance at that discovery hearing and any hearing moving forward. So, you know, Eric, if, if you're listening, it's in your best interest to settle. Kaban, it's definitely in your best interest to push him to settle. Let's get into the hypocrisy a little bit. What do you think about Amy Litwin's firing, her recent firing yesterday? Well, that I think is a, more like a, a publicity stunt because what's going to happen is she's going to be held liable for the office of, of everything that's happened under her, her tenure. As you know, uh, me and Eric both had a cases underneath Amy Litwin, who is unethical in the way she approaches you know, her job. And she was also unethical in the Bronx. That's the gift of uh, former Commissioner O'Neill that put her there. But she's going to be held liable. She will also be deposed in my case as the head of the advocate's office. What are the standard practice and procedures here? Do we authorize Legazi subpoenas? Do we access everybody's sealed records in order to railroad somebody? This is all going to come out, John. And there's more to this story than they're letting you know. But Amy Litwin's firing. There's also internal strife in that office. Oh, Absolutely. There's no doubt about it that there's internal strife in that office. That department advocate is completely, you know, it, it's just a joke. It's a complete joke. You and I know in the NYPD, it's it's known terminology. We've been calling it kangaroo for years, and it's exactly that. It's completely biased. I mean, I sat through a trial myself where the judge was, just made several mistakes when it came to different laws and policies of the NYPD. So at this point, with, with, with that case involved, it's my opinion. I, I would say at some point it, there, there must be a settlement. I, I, I don't see how Mayor Eric Adams at this point would want to sit for a deposition. I mean, clearly, he just made a mockery of this entire case. He's made a mockery of his own hypocrisy here. So at this point, I, I, I foresee a settlement. I mean, ultimately, do you, want, do you want this to actually go to a trial or you'd be happy and you'd be satisfied with an actual settlement. And if you do get a settlement, obviously, besides monetary value, what would make you feel at this point reinstated and compensated? And, and I'm not talking about with the job, but emotionally yourself. What would it take for you to feel that your name is cleared and you got your life back? Well, besides monetarily, it would be you get your good guy letter, you get your retired ID, you get those guns that they confiscated from me, and then they'll say... Mr. Greco left in good standing, uh, you know, and that's it. And we walk away with and, and this procedure, this likely to have engaged you come like this ridiculous draconian patrol guy procedure that needs to be changed because it needs to be added that you can't associate with someone who you believe is likely to have engaged in criminal activity if they're in a commission of a crime. That's the real that's the way it should have been written. And it was left to be interpreted any way they want arbitrarily. So I want my name cleared. That's the two years of being smeared and not being able to speak about it. It's weighed heavy on me, Eric, and my family. So that's the main goal. My name must be cleared. 
Absolutely, dude. The trauma and stress that you've been put through under this time. If anybody doesn't know Sal Greco, just Google his name. He's a national figure. He's brave enough to come out and tell his story and tell the hypocrisy of what the NYPD did and his illegal termination. Basically, what they did is they fired him for being friends with Roger Stone and a supporter of Donald Trump. In order to fire him, they illegally subpoenaed his records. They made up a lie that he was involved in narcotics trade to illegally subpoena his records. When they got those records back, they figured out that Sal Greco gets no financial benefit from being friends with Roger Stone i.e. so they are friends they just hang out together and once they determined that there was no financial benefit for sal greco of being friends with with roger stone they then made up a rule un that sal was doing uncompensated security and and charged him with lying and charged him with lying about doing security for roger stone and ultimately fired him um what do you sal what do you believe is the biggest hypocrisy here there's so much stuff here but like for you what is the most glaring thing for you that you see as the biggest hypocritical stance the NYPD and New York City has taken in your termination? I definitely, it's definitely political in nature. So it's definitely political because what you're saying is it's okay to hang out at Consafritos because they all let all the left wing Democrat, you know, the lieutenant governor, Letitia James, attorney general, Fidel Castro has been with this guy, the owner of the place. So it's left wing leaning place. But when it's, the other side of the spectrum, well, we have to destroy them. We have to terminate them. Because let's be honest, did you ever have any evidence of anything nefarious here? And the answer is no. All you had was, I'm friends with a guy that you don't like. That's basically what this is. That's the most glaring part of it. Of course, the second part would be the Fugazi subpoenas writing narcotics and then admitting that that didn't exist. But hey, that seems to be a trait in Jeremy Ornstein's way of doing business in NYP because he's in a separate trial right now with the Nieves brothers, where he perjured himself on a in a, in a, in a trial, and he perjured himself in his paperwork. So I'd like to see what happens with that guy. You know what amazes me by this, this whole entire case? That he, here you are, you have an open, open friendship with Roger Stone. And that's the one thing I have to say. You know what? Let me just circle back and tell the world right now. I... I didn't know Sal Greco from a hole in the wall. John didn't either until the uh, inception of this podcast. And I can tell you at this point, Sal Greco has become a friend of this podcast. Absolutely. A friend of John and a friend of myself. And I know he's a stand-up guy. And one thing I could, I, I could say about you is that you've kept your word. You, you've admitted to having a, a friendship with Roger Stone, and you've never changed, and you never wavered from that. But So what, what amazes me by this is that here, you have a friendship with Roger Stone, who's a, a powerful person throughout the country. He's been a public figure for so many years. He's got a great network of friends in the Republican community. And they thought that you would actually get terminated and just fade away and go away. I I'm just amazed by that, of how, how powerful the NYPD believes they are and how the the mayoral administration under Eric Adams just thinks that they're untouchable. I'm just amazed how they thought you would fade away and go away. And it, obviously your foot has been to the pedal. I mean, you've just been ramping it up and constantly exposing this hypocrisy. We have the hypocrisy of Cardi B being at the police, uh, police department facilities. We have Michael Dowd, one of the most prolific corrupt cops in police department facilities. 
we have the hypocrisy here of Ed Caban being appointed as the first Hispanic commissioner of the New York City Police Department who has a family ties to criminal association. Mayor Eric Adams himself has had ties to known criminals and continues to say that they do not discard people. And here you are fighting for your life and fighting for your job back. So at this point, that's what I'm curious about. If there is some type of settlement or after this goes to trial, and I'm confident you will win. Do you see yourself going back in a uniform in the NYPD or will you take a settlement package and walk away? At this point, what, what is your plan? Where do you see yourself going with this? Well, Eric, I think the fear of – it's not even a fear. It's almost a guarantee that if I was to walk back onto this job, you tell, you're telling me I wouldn't have a bullseye on me after I just humiliated uh, the NYPD? I, I think it would be – that would be if you think this witch hunt was bad, you would see another witch hunt, which is why everything happened to begin with. At this point, we're just looking to find the middle of the road, what works best. Uh, for me, if they want to go to trial, they want to actually go through with it. Let's go ahead. If you want to settle, let's talk. Either way, this was never I was never going to just sit there without going for this saying, I'm just going to take this lying down and be like, yeah, you terminated me, and I'm just going to go away. I mean, they should have realized when your friends, your very close friend is named Roger Stone, who literally fought tooth and nail through a witch hunt of a disgrace of a trial that they had for that man. And right now, who is defending the president, President Trump, that should tell you just a little bit of where I come from. And I'm Sicilian. We don't back down. So I wasn't going to back down for this, and I won't back down in the future. If you're going to come with me and say I'm guilty of something or I did something wrong, then bring it, because Sal Greco did nothing wrong. Absolutely. And honestly, if you were even thinking for one second of getting back and forth in uniform, I would highly advise you against that. I don't believe that you could. I don't believe any of us could return to the NYPD unless we were in an appointed deputy commissioner position. It's the only way we would be insulated from further attacks. And even then, we'd have to watch our back. I don't believe that you that that is even an option for you to take your job back at this point. At this point, they need to make you whole, make you make you not only compensate and reinstate you as, as a, your name, as good standing. They need to compensate you for your future earnings and they need to compensate you for the pain and suffering that you were put through. Because what they did to you was horrible. They left you out there to die. They treated you exactly like how, how New York City Mayor Adams treats everybody. Like we're peasants, like we're beneath him. You know what, New York City Mayor Eric Adams? And all three of us, would be your waiter because we don't believe that waiters are beneath us like you do. We don't believe in other, we don't treat people differently based on their status in society. As you clearly do with your statement, all my haters become my waiters. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned uh, Jeremy Orenstein. He is the IAB case investigator, the sergeant that investigated that investigated Sal Greco. Sal, we talked offline earlier, and I could give you a story in a little bit as well, but I want to hear your thoughts first. Do you believe that the NYPD uses this tactic of accusing officers of being involved in the narcotics trade to illegally subpoena their records? Is that something you believe that is common practice in the NYPD? Yes, and they've been warned about this. That's why there's, they, they, in, in the, a couple of years ago, 
if you remember, they did it to a New York Post uh, reporter where they made up some fake thing to put down to get an administrative subpoena. Administrative subpoenas in itself should be illegal. You have to prove that there's some kind of crime in order to get a subpoena. You need to go to a real judge, a real judge, not in the NYPD commissioner trial room over there. That's what that's what they were doing. And this guy has a history of it. He's a very unethical guy. He's got a checkered career, but somehow he's left in this group 25, which is like the federal investigative unit. The feds should be investigating him and putting him in handcuffs for perjuring himself in a court case, a real one. When he mis he actually not only misrepresented facts, he stated that these people, these two brothers, the Nevis brothers, did something that never occurred. He falsified records and he gave false testimony. He's a fugazi. The guy should be sent 29 guys to his house and be treated just the way you said that Roger Stone got treated. If you're going to treat Roger Stone and say, we're going to treat him one way, we're going to send 29 FBI agents to his house because he perjured himself in front of Congress, what did Jeremy Ornstein just do? He perjured himself in front of a judge and a jury. So why isn't he in handcuffs? I love when you say that word for Gazi. Every time, every time you say for Gazi, it reminds me of Johnny Depp. But <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, most of our viewers are cops, and e even some of the cops don't understand exactly how uh, how an investigation and background check uh, actually entails. But so, if you could just explain so the public understands, and even some of our cops that don't understand investigation. Why does the NYPD, we know it, but I want you to explain, why does the NYPD internal affairs division, particularly Orenstein here, why do we want an accusation of narcotics for a particular case? If you can explain to the public why that is so important that that was used as an illegal tactic for your case, and what exposure does that give for you, and what does that allot and allow for the police department to do in their investigation? So if you could explain that, I think the, the public really get understanding of, of how devious this case is against you, especially when you did nothing wrong to make and why they would want to make up such a false allegation. Well, that's real simple here, Eric. So what they'll do is to get a subpoena on someone, you actually have to have some kind of probable cause of a crime. So, if you're involved in narcotics, that would make you a quote-unquote drug dealer. So therefore, they can allege narcotics use, uh, is selling uh, narcotics. So if you allege narcotics but actually have to have proof, probable cause of this, you will present this to a judge who will then give you subpoena, warrants, whatever you need in a criminal case. In this instance, this is an administrative procedure. You need to go to an administrative judge. This should have never even occurred. You're alleging a crime here. I'm not even being investigated for this. See, his problem was he put criminal referral at the end of this. They expected the case to end in a criminal charge, and then they realized they never had anything. What they had is a right now what we know of, a disgruntled cop who I know is who he is, wrote this letter stating I was Roger's security, and then a blank letter came that said I wanted a civil war in his country with pictures of me and Roger from the last two years in a public setting. That's all there was. He decided to take it this way and run with it that way, which is completely illegal. And he accessed sealed records. So you cannot access somebody's sealed records. Once they are 
once somebody is arrested and they serve their time or whatever it is they make the after after they've they've uh, settled their case, that record is now sealed. To, in order to have access to it, you must then once again go to a judge and ask for this person's records. You have to explain yourself. But what Jeremy Orenstein did, he went right into the computer, just typed in a couple of names, and then there you go. He could take your get your mug shot. He could get your record. He could see exactly what happened. That's in violation of a court order. It specifically states in the state law in New York, you cannot access sealed records in an administrative case or a case against other people unless you go to a judge and explain yourself. They clearly did this. Jeremy Orenstein's an unethical human being. I don't know how this man was ever a police officer. He's a disgrace to the badge. And quite honestly, in real reality, there should be a criminal investigation on this man right now. He should be arrested. He should be in handcuffs. The guy's a fugazi. Well, before, John, before before you go ahead, I just want to say something. And it's interesting that you said that. So the case against you was supposed to be for corruption, but am I right? Him accessing these sealed records is not just a violation. It's actually it actually could be a criminal charge. Correct. It's not only a criminal charge, the criminal charge also be him perjuring himself. First in the Nieves case where he falsified records, he did the exact same thing. But he was on the stand in a criminal case, so he's actually in front of a judge. There is the perjury. Then, in my case, he once again on the stand in front of the commissioner of trials stated, well, there was no narcotics use. We never thought there was a narcotics use. We never even dole tested Mr. Greco. There, right there, he perjured himself again. He falsified an official document in order to get what he needed. He wanted my phone records. He wanted my records to prove what? That Sal Greco's good friends with Roger Stone? I, I still don't understand this. That's the gist of the entire case. That's what's really at stake here because it's a bigger problem in the institution because the belief here is it's not just Ornstein. This is an, an internal problem. where They've been doing this for many, many years. Exactly, and that was what I was just about to say is – that not only to get your 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 phone records, but to get your bank records as well. 2012, I had I was a I was a cop. I was just about to be promoted. I was an active cop. I was a field intelligence officer. I was doing search warrants. I was arresting people. Kid lived downstairs from me. I drove a silver uh, Infinity two door GF G37X or whatever. The kid that lived downstairs from me was also a cop on the lieutenant on the sergeant's list but was a few names ahead of me. He drove a silver BMW two-door tinted out. Both of our cars were tinted out. I get followed to work one day. I see people sitting outside my house one day. I'm like, oh man, they're following me. I just happened to bump, bump into the kid. Good kid. He's not in an enforcement position at all. He's not in an enforcement position at all, but I just tell him, hey, look, I think that I'm being followed. I think I'm going to get passed over. When, when the sergeant list comes out, I said, I, I guess someone probably made up a lie about me and they're just following me. Turns out they were following him, right? When the sergeant's list drops, he doesn't go. I get promoted, he doesn't, right? So I'm like, they're following you. And he's like, what are they following me about? I don't do anything. And he and he did it. He would go home every day after work. He was in a non-enforcement position. He would go home every day after work. Him and his girlfriend would either go to the gym or go for a bike ride on the boardwalk in Staten Island. Hmm. And long story short, they bring him into the investigation and they have all of his financial records and his phone records. And they're asking him about how he purchased his BMW. 
the original allegation they had against him, the original allegation they had against him was that he was stealing time and he wasn't. And they proved it. And they actually found out that the job owed him time because he was dedicating wow. more time than he was putting you, in. You see, it's unethical. But they go after his financial records and they want to know how he was able to purchase this BMW and all of this thing. And what they said is they had an, a narcotics allegation against him because the gym that he went to, that with his girlfriend, not that he associated with one person in that gym other than his girlfriend, but that gym that he went to every day. Well, every not even every day, every a couple of days a week that he went to, there was there was allegations that they were selling steroids out of there. And they gave him a charge of narcotics. So this has been going on for a long time. This is way before Sal Greco. This is even bigger than Jerry Orenstein. I believe, I believe that that is true. He did perjure himself and he should be held liable because I don't care if you walk into a precinct and everybody's selling drugs. You should be the guy that stands on integrity, especially when you're in, in, in a unit that's supposed to uphold integrity. You should have the utmost integrity. And so I'm not I'm 100 percent. He should be held accountable. But it's a bigger problem. It's an institutional problem. And yes. you proved it. That's right. And you just, you know, you just mentioned this thing. I'll say this quick because when we mentioned that, you know, they're pictured at this place called Consafritos with Jimmy Bronx Cafe. Jimmy Rodriguez Jr. is the owner. His, uh, his alias is Jimmy Bronx Cafe. He had a place called Jimmy's Bronx Cafe. And many years ago, as it's on YouTube and a podcast, someone mentions that this place that he had was known to have cocaine buffets that were there for the celebrities and the baseball players. So under that terminology, what you just said, he is known to have narcotics in his place, Fritos, where Eric Adams and Ed Caban and Jeffrey Madry and, and Philip Banks were all pictured there, including all the Democratic higher-ups in the party, every Democratic party higher-up. So then why is that place not being investigated for narcotics? Or anyone that comes out of there, Chevin, I mean, under this terminology, you see what you're saying? Do you see how everything gets flipped around, pending who you are? It's all arbitrary. John, I was never in, in internal affairs, but uh, it seems to me, it, correct me if I, it, it, tell me if I'm right here, that the accusation of narcotics basically opens the door to access all records, that that particular allegation will give you access to bank statements. Uh, it will give you access to, to, to records. What else can I get access? So if I have, if I, I opened up an investigation, I'm Jeremy Ornstein, and we're looking at the South Greco, we want to get South Greco terminated. What, what other, uh, what access do I get from a narcotics uh, allegation besides financial statements and besides phone records? What, what else can we get? I mean, I was never on the investigative side. So the only time I've ever been in an IV investigation is when I've been on the side of the table getting questioned. But those are, those are the two biggest, those are the two biggest things. I mean, that is a complete violation of your privacy. Now, it's one thing if you're accused of a crime, right? Like if you're accused of actually doing that or you're accused of some crime, that I believe that you you're actually you they should get access to your sealed records, right? Your sealed records, but that's through a court order. Your sealed records, your phone records. And your bank records. Those are the three biggest things that they're going to open up that, you know, your employer, by all means, shouldn't have access to for no reason. Um, and that's, you know, so in order to gain that to lie, I mean, that's that's a violation of integrity right there. That Sal Greco's 
whole investigation should have been thrown out right off the bat every because the whole investigation was was tainted at that point it's fruits of a poisonous tree and and the sick thing about sal's well investigation said. is they didn't even uncover anything when they uncovered that there was nothing there they made up another lie and and, and hit him with some charge that doesn't even exist and you know something you just brought that up john the best part was the deputy commissioner trial at that time when i was in my trial was paul gamble when we started to raise the issue of narcotics, he said he had, he had no problem with this opinion that, that the, the trial should continue. In any other circumstance, as there was a case in the New York State Supreme Court in 2012 where the judge threw the whole case out because putting narcotics on an administrative subpoena and then using it in a criminal case, they threw everything out. You have no way of getting every, any evidence. You fabricated the charge. You you had no probable cause. You just Drew it up out of, out of thin air. Narcotics. You just made it up because narcotics, like you said, is the gateway to phone records, uh, bank records, uh, security records, uh, your easy pass records, everything. Narcotics, narcotics, narcotics. Where's the narcotics? Oh, we never, we never, we never alleged this. We never found anything. So why did you put it down to begin with? There's no allegation of this. It's just made up by Jeremy Ornstein. That's what happened. That's why it's so important that you keep your foot to the pedal and that Sal Greco is heard not just locally in New York City, but nationwide. You have to be on every talk show and every radio show just as you are because it's so important that you expose this hypocrisy. Not only is it hypocrisy that you were terminated, but how you were terminated. It just clearly shows that it was a political hit job, that any means possible, even to violate procedure and even to violate the patrol guide, but more importantly, is that they actually violated law to target Sal Greco to have you terminated. So that, that's why I, I, I always say I'm proud of you that you took this to trial because I'm confident that if you would have taken any settlement by that discipline matrix and you had a year probation, you would have been continued targeted and you would have been terminated anyway. So your best thing was actually to take it to trial and expose the investigations of the New York City Police Department to expose the hypocrisy of the Department Advocates Office. It's interesting. Paul G Gamble actually uh, oversaw my trial as well. And uh, so I know exactly what you're talking about. It, complete kangaroo court. Uh, just uh, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you know, I, I, and so honestly, just hearing your story over and over again, every time I hear your story, I feel like it's the first time I heard it. And, and I just, I, I feel like, you know, we John and I talk about intrusive police work. I just feel like, the job is not intrusive anymore when it comes to perpetrators, but it sure is intrusive when it comes to good cops like yourself. And I mean, you were just wrong in every way. Yeah. Now, now Eric, uh, it's, it just, it's not just me because even if somebody watches this and say, I work with Sal, I don't like him, whatever the case is. If you're a cop, if you're a civilian, what happened to me just to let you know, this is how they deal with people in the street, criminal cases. This is how it's being done. What happens internally is then approved to do externally. That's what they do. Now you have drones flying around the city. Do you understand how intrusive they are with people? How they want to get in your business? They want to survey you. They want to see what you're doing. They want to see who you talk to. Who do you know? Where have we seen this? It's a larger picture. It's not just the police department. It's also the federal department that does it. So, I mean, he, Jeremy Ornstein thinks he's a federal agent, actually, but he's not. But that, I'm saying this is... This is what was really the, the case here. They want to be 
doing this to the regular guy in the street. That's what they want. Full control. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. And like I said, I think I think that it's part of a larger problem when cops are when it, you're right. It, it definitely involves in the street. But as, as it relates to the NYPD, when cops are charged administratively, there's a push to make it a criminal to further get access to your records. I mean, if you look, and if you look at these these criminal association cases, like I said, you're not going to see any penalty that like the one that Sal Greco was given. You're going to see a huge huge disparity between the average criminal association case and what happens with that where sometimes people are just warned and admonished oh you can't hang out with this guy anymore you can't do this anymore to where we are with sal greco sal i know you were getting a lot of crap because you're posting photos of the hypocrisy you're showing the hypocrisy right um yep. you put out a photo of people in concertfritos pat lynch had his, his retirement party there hispanic society had a party there president of the Hispanic Society was in one of the photos that you posted with these appointed. I know cops were giving you crap about that. I support that message because you're just showing why is it, why am I terminated and they aren't? What do you have to say to those cops? Well, listen, if cops have a problem with that, you know, if I don't think you understand, Sal Greco is pictured with a member of the Proud Boys in the background. Therefore, Sal Greco is a member of the Proud Boys. Remember that? I didn't see anybody in the NYPD stick up and say, I know this guy. What are you talking about? That guy must have been just walking by behind him. But he didn't see that. You saw these pictures from one day on January 5th and assumed the worst. When I was just hanging with Roger, I wasn't a member of anything. They just happened to be there. It's coincidental contact. What I'm seeing at Concertfritos is not just once, not just twice, numerous times. You are associating with someone you shouldn't be associating with. And by the way, those pictures, I didn't take those. You guys posted them. You put it all over social media, and now you're going to have the same thing that I had to go through. You might have to go through. Only maybe you have – this is what I'm talking about. You have something to hide. When somebody like me is in trouble or Eric was in trouble or John was in trouble, did any cops run to their aid? No, I know what you do. You hide in the corner. You're facing the wall and saying, well, I hope nobody's looking at what I'm doing. I hope no, I hope nothing comes, no blowback comes on me. Instead, dummy, what's going to happen is they get rid of Eric and John and myself. You're next. So don't look at me for anything. You only have yourselves to blame. You know the rules. You should be smart enough. Then realize them. You shouldn't be associating with certain people. Don't be in a spot you shouldn't be. I mean, I went 14 years, and the best they could do is I'm friends with Roger Stone. Just think about it. You know, you know what? Honestly, at this point in retirement, frankly, I'm tired of the cops being so feeble-minded and living living a life of a lie and pretending that the police department doesn't have any flaws. You know, John and I talk about this all the time. We said that if we were recorded talking before we actually record the podcast, the conversation would be the same. It would be the same as it is on the podcast. And if if we were talking in a locker room, and accidentally there would be, there was a recorder, our conversation remains the same. Yeah. And many cops out there and even some of these organizations that say hug a cop and thank a cop, they can't do the same. And I know the three of us can. Our conversations in private and our conversations in public remain the same. But And the reason why I say that is because I remember being on the job and the cops that I knew and the fellow supervisors 
and I heard the locker room banter. It was the same banter that we're giving right now. But yet, as we expose hypocrisy after hypocrisy, we hear these same cops say, what are you guys talking about? Why are you saying all this? This isn't happening. Scott Greco must have done something wrong. John McCarry, he could have just taken the shot. Eric Dim, we told you, just sit in the office. Let your cops do the job. John Olson, oh, he, he wasn't discriminated for being white. There's no way somebody wouldn't go to his 1013 to his, or his 1085. All these things are happening. We're seeing promotion after promotion, excluding older white males, alpha white males, to, to pander to the black and brown community to show a specific image. And we hear the banter. We heard the locker room banter. And yet, publicly, we're not hearing the same. So shame on these cops for not supporting you, for not supporting John, for not supporting for myself. Because you know what I say? If they don't support us, they're not supporting themselves. And they're pretending these things aren't happening. And you know what? If they remain silent, the train is going to go over them. I say all the time, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. This is the time to speak out. John has spoken out. I have spoken out. You are spoken out. That's what it takes. I think also uh, you're talking about the in crowd. If certain people are pictured at Concertfredos or hanging around cabaning them, well, they're untouchable cops, right? Because you're boys with the guy that runs the department. But meanwhile, what happens to a guy like me or someone else that might have got railroaded by these people? I mean, you're saying that I'm doing what you guys are actually doing. So don't look at me and don't look at Eric and look at John and start to point fingers. The first finger pointed is right here, yourself. Look in the mirror before you start pointing a finger because you are the one in the corner hiding, hoping no one sees anything that you're doing or anything that you're saying. But when we, if you're stuck together and said, you know, I'm a cop and he's a cop, we should actually say something and speak up about him. You know what? I am boys with the police commissioner. Shouldn't it be me to go to him and say, hey, that guy over there, we, we shouldn't be picking on him. I know him. You vouch for a guy. I guess that's lost because we, we can't do that. Because to them, it's more of a, well, he's in trouble. Let's just turn a blind eye and hope nobody comes after us. I know that's exactly what they said. I was there. I might have even done it myself a couple of times because that's the mentality of people on the job. But when you're not there no more, like you said, Eric and John, you know the same thing. You start to think like a human being. And now we're looking at things in a completely different spectrum. And that's what's happening now. So I'm not out there to expose someone or hurt somebody. I would never hurt another cop. I never, I was never no snitch, unlike the person that wanted to write their little letter on me and make up some things and make up for Gazy claim. But you know, listen, it is what it is. I mean, that used to be another term I heard on the job. It is what it is. Don't be somewhere you shouldn't be. I mean, that's rule number one. Don't be doing something you shouldn't be. That would be rule number two. And if you just so happen to be at the wrong place at the wrong time, then so be it. And another thing, the officers that are, I guess, pictured in uniform and they're on their own Instagrams and stuff, you notice there was never a picture of me on my Instagram uniform until they terminated me, right? So that's a rule. I believe it's in the patrol guide. But certain people get away with it. Why? How does that work? Once again, arbitrary rules being applied. That's the whole, that's the whole gist of my case. I'm fighting for all of you, even the idiots that are pictured where they shouldn't be. So you should actually be applauding me, not try to be against me. But you know something? It's, it is what it is, like I said. I don't hate nobody. I wish everybody the best. Absolutely. Arbitrary and capricious. It's absolute insanity. Everyone on the job is doing exactly what these white chiefs 
these old white chiefs and these old white police commissioners did. They pushed this whole racist, illegal diversity, equity, and inclusivity push. It violates every federal, state, and city law. And they pushed it and they had no problem standing up there as white men saying, we don't need any more white men in, 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 in positions of power. And what they were doing by doing that was they were feeding the alligator. They were feeding the alligator, hoping the alligator would eat them last. And here you go. You're seeing it now. The alligator is right in their face and eating them until eventually there's going to be no John. There's going to be no Eric and there's going to be no Sal to even speak out and stand up for you. You need to start getting your head out of the sand and start calling it what it is. If you're guilty of something and Sal's guilty of something and I'm guilty of something, why is there three different sets of rules? Why isn't it all one standard? one standard for everybody whether you're the police commissioner or a cop on the street or you're a janitor cleaning up in, in the precincts it should be one standard for every member of the nypd or including waiters mr mayor including waiters there should be a standard they should get the same standard as a mayor as well when justice is, is seek guys give us a, a second we're gonna we're gonna come right back at you we're gonna do a word from our sponsors and we got a lot more to talk about Law enforcement professionals dedicate their lives to serving and protecting our community. But who's protecting their financial futures? That's where Laidlaw Blue comes in. Our wealth management platform is specifically designed for the law enforcement community. Laidlaw Blue is a division within Laidlaw Wealth Management run by retired New York City detective John McDermott. His status as a retired detective uniquely positions him to establish a deep connection between Laidlaw Blue and the law enforcement community. Our platform is easy to use and provides a range of financial services, including investment management, retirement planning, and insurance solutions. With Laidlaw Blue, you can secure your financial future and provide for your loved ones. Our team of experienced financial advisors understands the unique challenges and opportunities that law enforcement professionals face. We're here to help you navigate the complexities of financial planning and achieve your goals. Laidlaw Blue, secure your financial future today. Book a meeting using the QR code displayed or call us directly on 888 901 blue that's triple eight nine zero one blue you know uh john you and i we spoke offline many times about something that i want to mention and, and i have to give credit to you because you were the first one to actually say this you are required as a law enforcement officer especially the nypd to report misconduct or corruption however John, John said it first, and I totally agree with him. You should not be able to report misconduct or corruption anonymously. You are a law enforcement officer. If you actually witness misconduct or corruption, you should have to report it. You should have the courage to provide your name. So if, the, if this particular cop that wrote this anonymous letter actually thought you were engaging in misconduct or corruption, he should have had the courage, or, or, or she, to actually provide their name and their identity and stand behind this allegation. You're, you're a cop. You're reporting a violation and potentially criminality. I mean, if we see criminality in our faces, we're supposed to take action immediately. 
you're a cop. You should not have to hide your identity if you suspect any misconduct or corruption. I mean, John, you you said it first. I think it's fantastic. A hundred percent. I think that has to change immediately with the New York City Police Department. You should not report corruption anonymously. What does it what does it say about the whole institution that they're worried about retaliation? What does it say about the whole institution with saying that you can report it anonymously? It's saying that the institution is defunct and corrupt. That's what it's saying. You know, and you're a police officer. You're out on the street, you're, but you're scared to report corruption against a fellow cop. But you're not scared to take action against a criminal. I find that very hard to believe. I find it very hard to believe that those two things can be true. Uh, you know, I like when we talk like this because it's. Showing the people out here, it's whoever's on the job still or not. If you're not on the job, this is the inner politics of the police department. Now, you know, politics is one thing. I'm involved in that, obviously. And then there's politics also with the police department and how this is operates. And you always get to hear that on every show that John and Eric have. And right here, you're hearing just a little bit more about it because you're right. Do you report corruption or do you not? And what what do I or what do I as an officer or some other officer, what do they deem corrupt? That's a whole nother subject. You're seeing a lot of things that are arbitrary. Everything's arbitrary when there should be just one rule and one standard. But there isn't because on this job, it could be like John said, two people are accused of the same thing. But this guy gets one treatment and this one gets another. And that that can't happen. It's an equal opportunity job. So how does this all work? Exactly. It's an institutional problem. And that's why we're discussing these things here. And that's why it's more like the inner politics of how the NYPD runs. And I'm sure other departments have the same problems and the same the same kind of uh, conjecture that they they're stating that, you know, there's one rule for this guy and one rule for the other. And, you, and the, the, the average cop is saying, what the hell is this all about? Well, it, you know, what? it's actually public knowledge and it's actually documented. It's 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 ambiguous and it's a it's a subliminal message, but it's actually in the disciplinary matrix. John and I have exposed this on a prior prior episode, prior podcast, where we talked about the disciplinary matrix, and it actually lays it out. You have mitigating factors and you have aggravating factors, and it's it's our contention that the mitigating factors, you could actually replace the word mitigating factor with nepotism, and aggravating factors, you could actually replace the word aggravating factor with Sal Greco, Eric Dim. You know, John McCarry, and that's that's how this disciplinary matrix is written. Because if you're Richard Shea and you're in the right circle, you know what? If you're in a situation like Sal Greco, you'll lose one vacation day. But if you're Sal Greco and you're in line with Donald Trump, you'll be terminated. So it's exactly that. There is two standards, and the disciplinary matrix exactly lines that up. Yeah, or they or they railroad you with. Uh... You're doing uh, uncompensated security because you're walking around with your your gun, your shield, and your ID the way every other officer is supposed to. That means you're uncompensated security, some made-up term. It's ridiculous to even think they went down that road. In fact, I remember when John tweeted out is he, his wife's uncompensated security for the night because he took her for dinner. That's, that's exactly – that right there shows the hypocrisy of this stupid charge. It doesn't exist. It's made up. It's insane. Let's talk. Let's talk about another thing that I think I think really heavily relates to the charge of criminal association. Right. The NYPD talks a lot about community involvement, community interaction. We see everyone that's put up on a pedestal in the NYPD 
interacting with known criminals, rappers, drug dealers, people who were involved in selling guns and selling, uh, you know, selling guns, selling drugs, people that are could possibly be involved in sex trading and the prostitution as well. Right. Some of those people like Cone Sofrito, Jimmy Bronx Cafe. So we see all that hypocrisy there. But yet they're going to come after a guy like Sal for being friends with Roger Stone, who's a political strategist who's never been in trouble in his life, has never been accused of being in narcotics, violence, crime, anything like that. The guy was prosecuted, uh, excuse me, persecuted for a political witch hunt and received a full presidential pardon. He received a full meaning. He has a clean criminal record, but they had no problem with terminating Sal for the charge of criminal association that didn't even exist. Sal, what are your thoughts on the violence intervention program where we actually, New York City takes funds and pays people who were actually involved, and now we're coming to find out, continue to be involved in the illegal firearm, illegal narcotics, and illegal prostitution trade. What are your thoughts about the violence intervention program? That right there, we just mentioned that program, that's in direct violation of the patrol guy procedure. That's what the procedure originally was designed to be against. You're supposed to stop this kind of stuff. How is that one guy that was, you know, he was locked up in a sweep? Did I read that right? And Eric Adams, another one of his associates, was uh, the head of this program and was locked up in a sweep with drugs and guns at his house, plus 130000 whatever he had in cash. Did I read that right the other day? So this guy is in charge of this group by the, the mayor appointed these people to be the violence interrupters, but yet they themselves are committing the crimes. So they're likely to have engaged with criminal activity. And who are they talking to? I guarantee you the commanding officer, the community affairs, which means what they are they talking to that clown there? What's his name? Stuart, that guy, the head of the community affairs, the NYPD, another Eric Adams associate. Uh, are they talking to community affairs officers? Dude, what is that other program they have where the two cops show up in the neighborhood police? Hey, they have options that give options. I know, but I'm saying, so this guy is associating, they're associating with cops in violation of that rule that you have in, that you, you wrote yeah. down in the patrol guy. But it only matters if your name's Sal Greco and your friends are Roger Stone. That's what this seems to look like. You, you know, it's quite interesting. I remember back in February, we had a roundtable with the three of us along with Roger Stone. And I remember, you know, I know the patrol guy pretty well. But I remember Roger Stone had said that he was aware of the criminal association charge. And what he pointed out, which I thought was great, is that there's no exceptions to it. There's no right. exceptions if you're family, right? There's no exceptions if you're in a working capacity. It says, right, not to engage in criminal association or someone who's likely to engage. And I remember after he said that, I said to myself, wow. I'm pretty knowledgeable with the patrol guy, but I actually wanted to look at it again to actually see if there is an exception. Is it something that we overlooked? And I, I remember I looked at it, and he was exactly right. There are no exceptions. So that includes this violence interruption, uh, interruption program as well. There is absolutely no exceptions. That would include Cardi B. That would include Michael Dowd be, being, uh, you know, in our most precious locations of the NYPD. That, that would include... Any association, these rap stars and consofritos or any place that has, you know, somewhere where they're likely to engage, right? If we can't prove it, but based on the the uh, the evidence and the knowledge that we have, 
in the social media conversations, it's likely to believe that they're engaging in, in criminal activity at Consul Fritos. Ed Caban has family ties. His family members, right, have had criminal charges. And there's no exceptions. Even if it's his brother, according to the NYPD, the way it's written, until they change it, he's not supposed to have any association with family members that have criminal ties. A am I wrong? Can you shed some light on this? I think we lost Sal. Sal, you hear us now? Sal, you there? I think, I think we lost them. Um, but yeah, no, that's exactly true. And that just shows how hypocritical that whole charge is, right? Because even your family member, even if it's your neighbor, right? Let's just say you have an 80-year-old neighbor who got arrested for drunk driving 50 years ago before you were ever even born, and you mow the guy's grass or you uh, shovel his snow. Right, we're starting to hear you now, Sal. We lost you. But that just shows right there how hypocritical that is. Yes, that charge says that. That charge says exactly that. And that would hold true whether it's your family member or your neighbor who got in trouble before you were ever even on this earth. Sal, do we got you back? Sal, you good? Well, let me just say this. I, I, I'm going to say this. I don't agree with the way that's written. You know, especially if it, when it comes to family, right? The cards that are dealt with you when it comes to family, you don't get to pick who your mother is. You don't get to pick who your brother is. So there are situations where I think it, it is appropriate. But the problem is it has not been changed yet. So at this point, the way the procedure is written is complete hypocrisy to Sal Greco. So until they change it, Ed Caban, Mayor Eric Adams, of violating the same rules of procedures that they're supposed to follow. And they're in a lead position. They're supposed to lead by example. So either they reinstate Sal Greco or they have this, they, and they have to have these rules changed. They have to have, you can't have it both ways. It has to be a standard and we have to know what that standard is. Yeah, sorry, I lost you there for a little bit, but- No, I, I it's, was, all right. it's all right. I heard what you were saying about everything and it, it's true. It, you listen. Like Eric Adams states himself, you can't have one rule for Eric and one rule for everyone else. And this criminal association thing, look, it needs to be rewritten in the patrol guide, I believe, because this violence into this this program right there proved that these people you're associating with somebody in commission of a crime. These this guy was committing crimes. So anyone who spoke to him would should be at least questioned into what they knew about what this person was doing. He committed crimes. He was trying to talk to – was he trying to curry favors with the commanding officer? I mean, who knows what's going on with this guy? Because obviously if he's selling drugs and, and guns in the street, he might be trying to curry favors with the cops. That's that's what – and some of the cops might be unknowing, unbeknowings to them, right? This guy was trying to curry a favor so that would help him and his cohorts on the other side. That's why this program is dangerous. It's dangerous and ridiculous. Regular people could do this. This former criminal being a this is I never heard of this this stuff I, I always try to stay away from it when I was in the uh, the NYPD this community kind of stuff like I would go to a store I want to talk to the community but to have an actual current or former street guy who's a criminal involved in a program with cops that's highly unethical the same as saying Philip Banks as an unindicted co-conspirator should be the deputy mayor of public safety and tell the NYPD what to do. It's the same kind of scenario right there. 
But again, you know, in Eric Adams' world, there's one rule for Eric and one rule for everybody else. I just want to read what uh, Gamble concluded about your case, and then I just want to get your thoughts on it, right? Gamble concluded that Greco will likely forever be compromised in the eyes of the public and his fellow officers, and that he was guided by his own moral compass rather than the provisions of the patrol guide in recommending his termination. Gamble wrote that Greco's continued service with the NYPD would be corrosive to the mission and values of the department. What do you got to say to Gamble? Well, it's funny that Paul Gamble said that because, you know, he's highlighting me. Uh, nobody actually really knew who I was until he said that because I'm just another blue uniform in a sea of 36,000. But he's picking me out of that 36,000 and saying, because you are friends with a guy that we don't like, you must be made an example out of. That's as biased as it gets. His whole statement is biased. Because out of a sea of 36,000 cops, nobody could have picked me out and said, "That's that guy right there is the reason. This the NYPD is no good because that guy right there because he's friends with Roger. Nobody even knew I was friends with Roger. It was them that blew this up into... You know, they blew us into something. They blew us up into something that you could have never even imagined because it should have never gone this far. This was all driven by somewhere, somebody somewhere in this department that had some kind of probably some kind of hooks in the media to push this forward. And guess what? Now in my trial, in my case, we're going to find out exactly who this person or persons are or were. You know, it's funny that you use the word bias, bias, prejudice. It's my opinion, and I'm sure we probably all agree, that your case was 100% reverse engineered. I think the second that the department got wind that you had a friendship with Roger Stone, I think at that point you were terminated. And I think your investigation was completely reverse engineered to have all the ammunition to actually utilize it against you in your trial or settlement. And I think that the disciplinary matrix was definitely weaponized to to have you terminated. But 100%, I think that your case was completely reverse engineered. You know, this cop, uh, who I think is completely a coward, that wrote this anonymous letter, if you had an opportunity to say something to him, what would you say? Uh, I, it's kind of like a mixed reaction because it could you could view this as something that was uh, it was terrible at one end and good on the other. Because now, thanks to this Fugazi letter, look at where I'm standing now. I wasn't a national figure before. I wasn't even one that wanted any kind of spotlight. But now you're in the spotlight. Now you're the man in the arena. And now as one guy, I represent thousands, hundreds, thousands, maybe millions of people. Whereas before, I was just one out of a sea of 36,000. So to the person that wrote that letter... You know, thanks to you, now we're in this position where the NYPD is actually not in control of a situation, which they are in here. This is a first. It's a first for, for, for me. It's a first for them. And the institution now stands on trial, basically. That's what's going on here. All because somebody wanted to write a letter that said I wanted a civil war in this country, which is laughable in itself. And the other gentleman that wrote the first letter, who I know it is, that wrote the letter stating I was Roger's security amongst some other Fugazi allegations. They were a disgruntled cop. So hopefully 
the disgruntled cops out there aren't writing letters on each other unless you want to put your name to it. But remember, with that, there should be the clause of if you write your name and anything comes up that's false, you will now be held civilly or criminally liable for your Fugazi allegations. 100%. Let's talk about Eric Adams a little bit. Let's talk about his administration. I just want to start off with, you know, the thumbnail has us all in waiter uniforms serving Mr. <laughs> Mayor as he believes and he treats us, treats all of us, including the people still employed for him, like we're on the plantation that he owns. So what do, what do, you, what do you think about Eric Adams' statement? And I, I just want to get it from both of you. Sal, I want you to go first. All my haters become my waiters when I sit down at the table of success. Yeah, he's definitely taking the stab, I think, on multiple people. It, it would be yourselves. I think Curtis Lee was in this. I think Roger Stone's in this. I think uh, Dominic Carter on WABC is in this on the radio. Uh, it could be even me because we're very critical of this man and his administration. And I, I think he's trying to say, you know, you're all going to be serving me, meaning he once again is putting himself out there. Is he's To me, the guy is an egomaniac. It's always about him. That press conference where Ed Caban got, uh, you know, he was he was promoted to police commission. Unbelievably, he was promoted and he's making it about himself at that press conference. And every press conference he has, he spins it back around to me, 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 me. So it's funny he says that because he's trying to say that we all serve him. That's unbelievable that he would say this as a public official who's in charge of a city. He's a chief executive official. Unbelievable. You know what? You know what this is like. I feel like when it comes to Eric Adams, it's almost like when you go out, you go out with a woman when you're single, and you go out on a, on, a, on a couple of dates, and you're on your best behavior, and they're on your best behavior. But as the relationship starts to go further in time, the real personalities come out, and I think that's what's happening with Mayor Eric Adams. It started out right. He had to be on his best behavior to get elected. In his first couple of months, he was slowly getting back into his character. And now we had an opportunity to see who Mayor Eric Adams actually is. And I had said the other day, I'm not sure if he's a mayor or an entertainer. But now I decided who he is. I figured out he's a king on a throne. And he, he expects everyone to laugh at his jokes. And he thinks exactly that. Everyone should be kneeling down to him. He's not a public servant. Everyone is serving him. He's a child of God. He's he's a, a, a man that came from a special mother, a special family. He was dyslex dyslexic. Everything has been about his triumphs. He shows real traits of a narcissistic personality. I, I think it's all about him and exactly that. He doesn't even realize it. But what he's saying is, he, you know, he thinks less of a waiter. And he thinks that these, you know, people serve him, that they're, they're beneath him. You know, John, you said that they're, it's exactly what he thinks. They're beneath him. And I can tell you that one thing on this podcast, we don't think that of people. And, and I can even reflect on myself. When I was on the job, I always referred to people as sir, and I still do. I would even call many of my cops. I would say, hey, excuse me, sir, can you help me? And they were my subordinates. But I still had respect for them because everyone has an important role. You know, even when someone is sweeping a broom, I always say thank you. How are you, sir? Excuse me. Because you know what? Every job is important. And you know what? Even if you're a king, you can't do everything yourself. 
people are helping you and people are doing things for you and you have to be appreciative of it. But by sure, he is no king. He's a mayor. He's a public servant. But he hasn't shown any signs of it at all. He's a complete embarrassment. And, and as I said, again, I really do think that this is reflective of when people go out on a date and it becomes a relationship. And we're in a relationship with him now. Well, maybe not me right now and, and John and, and yourself. We're, we're all residents of Florida. But for residents of New York City, you're in a relationship with the mayor and you've got to see who he really is. And at this point, everyone's tired of him and they're, re they're ready to break up that relationship. So you know what? If we're his waiters, we're supposed to get tips. But I got a tip for him. You're not getting anything done. You're absolutely a disgrace. And I can't wait till your, your mayoral term is over-terminated. Hashtag get stuff done. Get stuff done. But he actually does work for me. He's a public servant. I still pay a lot of taxes in New York City. So, Eric, you'll be sitting down. You'll be serving me just like you're going to get served. If you're stupid enough to go ahead with this trial, it's it's going to be laughable. It's going to be a media circus. Everyone's going to be in attendance, and you will be embarrassed if you get on that stand. Because, honestly, there is no argument for what happened to Sal Greco. It was completely a political hit job. Make it go away. Restore this man's life. Restore, restore his good name. You stole it for absolutely no reason other than you think that people are beneath you. It's, it's, it's a horrible thing what happened. Sal, um, I actually just got information uh, earlier that a violence interrupter was arrested in a violence interruption T-shirt beating his spouse. <laughs> unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. It's, un it's just unbelievable. There's a second guy that you know of that just got locked again. These are all hand-picked guys, Eric Adams, all all his all his crony friends. It's always ends in the same way. They all end up in prison or indicted. Or here's another guy. It's just unbelievable. This program should be abolished. Who's in charge of this, really? Someone get a, someone right now in the NYPD get a hold of whoever it is and say who's in charge of this program. Talk to whoever it is. If you need the lawyers to talk and be like, listen, this is a horrendous idea. This is bad press. Could be held liable on top of it. And you don't know what this guy has done or who he's talking to. Now you have a now you have someone who just beat up his wife. Is that the image you want? These guys doing that, selling guns and drugs? I mean, come on. Well, you know what? So we expose the hypocrisy, right? Of Cardi B and all these other figures. But Mayor Eric Adams himself has surrounded him with someone that everyone has a stain. Philip Banks has, has a stain on him. Ulrich has a stain on him. Could you shed some light? What do you think about the Ulrich case going on right now? Well, actually, I was, I was going to say this. I, I, I thought about this before. If Bragg or, or Jack Smith there in D.C. is going to or, or – and in Florida wants to charge President Donald Trump with obstruction, well, in New York City – Eric Ulrich clearly stated that Eric Adams, as the mayor, told him, watch your phones and watch your back in your investigation with Alvin Bragg's office. Right there. That's obstruction by the letter of the law. So once again, why is President Donald Trump being treated different than Mayor Eric Adams? Now, I know it's an ongoing investigation, and maybe Eric Adams... We'll have a legal problem coming out of this. But by definition of the law, that sounds like obstruction. No, I mean, you guys locked up as many guys as I locked up. You tell me. 
Well, I know someone who hasn't locked people up, and he just got bumped up four promotions. Tariq Shepard, congratulations for having 22 collars in your career. Uh, and now he's a – what is he, deputy commissioner? Four uh, bumps? DCPI. Deputy yeah. commissioner of public information. What do you guys think about that? Sal, what do you think about that? You know, uh, I get I got a lot of uh, heat about that one. Oh, arrests don't matter, this, that, the other thing. I personally – I could agree to a point, but when you have so little, I believe it highlights your work ethic. I believe it shows your way up. You know, one of the one something that someone told me once is like, you know why everybody likes you when I was a boss? And I said, no, why? They're like, because you never forgot. You never forgot what it was like to be a cop. You know, you never you are you, you know, you're very humble. Like that's why everyone respects you and likes you. What do you think about those in leadership? that are chiefs now that have under a hundred arrests. Yeah. Uh, you know how I am. I, I believe in, uh, if you're going to lead the troops, you have had to have had a career where you have led by example, meaning I understand some cops do things where they, they're not in a, you know, a proactive or intrusive way doing that kind of policing. I always saw it the other way. I mean, you, if you know, John shell, you know, chief of patrol, John shell, He's very much a guy that was very hands-on, and he respects all the cops that do the same all the way up. But that's a dying breed on that job. This gentleman you mentioned, I don't know him personally, but from what, I, what I've been told about him is the cops liked him. So obviously he was a boss that catered to the cops. They all kind of talked nice about him. The problem with him here is he was pictured with DA Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, and he made all these nice little tweets about him. And that was, I believe, on the day before or after that he indicted that poor officer that they said assaulted someone two years ago, which wasn't even an assault. It's a Fugazi indictment, much like the other indictment of Donald Trump. So he put out this tweet, and then it shows that all of a sudden he got promoted three times in the span of what? One day, two days? How how short was that to go from inspector to chief? I'm, I haven't. I mean, other than maybe on the Shea, I think one guy, I've never seen this in my career. I mean, I know a guy who was a captain in Brooklyn South. He was a captain for about 10 or 12 years or some ridiculous number. As a captain, he never got promoted. So as you know, you have two years or three years until you get promoted to the next rank. You get a command, and then you move forward. This guy got a command, and he's a chief overnight. I mean, I don't know how their standard and practice and procedures work, but that changed over the years. I don't know if that's how it is today, because he seems to be a one-off. Like, I don't know anyone else that was a captain and a chief in one, you know, overnight. That's crazy, and it seems political in nature. And John and I did a podcast, reflected the data that shows the comparison to black males getting promoted from the rank of captain and moving up compared to white males moving up. We compared it to black and black Hispanic and black and Hispanic females. We compared it to Asian police officers, Asian captains getting promoted, and we showed the disparity. And we can see that the at the time, I think the average white male captain took about six to seven years to get promoted from the rank of captain. And we saw that black males were getting promoted at a rate of about two years. And now that we're seeing the phenomenon, is the pace is moving even faster. I mean, we see it with Tiny Kinsella. We see it now with Tariq Shepard. It's just extremely fast-paced. Now, I'm not saying, let's just say rhetorically speaking, let's say that Tariq Shepard, I don't know him from a hole in the wall, 
I know that he worked with DCPI. I, I, I had many, I've had plenty of exposure to DCPI being out there getting illegal firearms, uh, you know, saving a kid, uh, making a makeshift tourniquet, things like that. He was out there as a lieutenant. Now, personally, I don't know him. But let's just say, rhetorically speaking, let's say he's the best leader there ever was in the NYPD. Still, to be promoted at this rate and to be bumped up at four different steps doesn't do him any justice. It doesn't do any justice to the department. And it sure as hell doesn't do any justice to public safety. We still, we still need a certain measure to follow these steps. And the promotions have to be fair. Again, I see it quite often. I still have friends on the job that are captains and inspectors. They're white males, and it's taken them forever to get promoted. And most of them probably will not get promoted. And knowing this, they still go out there, and they still give 100% of themselves. They're out there working hard, knowing that they're never going to see the next step on this job. It, it, it's just, it, it really is demoralizing. And you know what? Congratulations to Tariq Shepard. But at the same token, you know what? Is it worth it? He's taking pictures with Alvin Bragg and, and, and referring to him as teaming and having a partner. I mean, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Is this, and, and, and I'm surprised that the cops are saying, oh, he's such a nice guy, a good guy. You know what? That's all you have to do. Unfortunately, some of these cops are like puppy dogs. You pet them and you be nice to them and they're happy because they, they're not actually reading between the lines. They're only scratching the surface. Yeah, I mean, my issue was just complete nepotism and, again, a complete arbitrary and capricious rules. And really, I was I was just showing that, like, wow, this guy has no arrests. And more than likely, he's unvaccinated and it was no issue and he's getting bumped up to DCPI. But I had to leave my job, you know, and, and I do. And, and just to go back on the arrests a little bit, John Shell, Hodge Hodge was his whole career. I looked him up. He has 123 arrests. And I believe that translates to you as a leader because you understand what it's like to be on trial. You understand the vouchering process of arrests. You understand what it takes to, to arrest numerous people at one time, how strenuous it is, how stressful it is. You understand the intricacies of that. And my thing is, how could you lead when you're a guy like Pat Lynch and you have five arrests? How could you sit there and know what the cops go through when you've never went through it? How could you lead a city of New York when you couldn't lead a patrol car like Eric Adams and you have 11 arrests? You know, how could you even get to the rank of captain when you have 11 arrests? How do you understand how this job works if you do not have the, the wherewithal and the, and the intricate knowledge through your own work to understand what it takes? I believe you're lacking. So an appointment like Tariq Shepard to DCPI, really doesn't matter, right? Because we had a guy that was never a cop. He was a reporter. We used to follow John Gotti around. And he became the chief, he became the deputy commissioner of, yeah. of public information. And then he became the deputy commissioner of counterterrorism, right? And what what he wasn't even a cop. So I really don't even have a problem with Tariq Shepard um, going into that spot. I mean, if I'm going to appoint a deputy commissioner of community affairs, I'm sure as hell going to put Tariq Shepard in front of Mark Stewart. I mean, because obviously, clearly, the guy doesn't know his job. He cannot properly articulate his job. And now Eric Adams is saying he's going to help out with the migrant crisis and help people with uh, with uh, <laughs> English as a second language. <laughs> English as a second language. Is he teaching them about de-escalation? Or is he teaching them about de-escalation? Because <laughs> I'm not sure. 
But one thing I know about him is that he has an options program, and you know what it has? It has options. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm talking about with this these guys. You know, and listen, I, my hat's off to Mr. Shepard. I mean, you made it up the ranks somehow, whether you, you were nice, you're nice to the cops, wherever it is. You got promoted when guys I know, some guys that we both know that are still stuck at captain or inspector and guys, no movement, no matter how many arrests and how much crime goes down in the command. He's a, he's a chief. He's in DCPI. More power to you're getting paid, you know, but uh, that just shows you again, how is this so arbitrary? I don't know who you have to know to even get promoted because it depends who you know and what you do. There is nothing that says you get rewarded for lowering crime, which just should be the number one thing. But not in the Eric Adams administration. It's more of a, do you hang out at Contrafritos with me or not? Uh, this is, this. I don't know what to say. My hat's off to Mr. Shepard. I, I just hope that going forward, if this is the way things are going to go, you have to understand the quality, your quality of life is going to go down in New York City big time. Because some of these people have never been in these positions. And they have to prove themselves. But they'll get rewarded because they're friends with the right people. So uh, that's that's not how the job is. That's not how law enforcement is. It's a disgrace that this keeps going forward. Hat, my hat's off once again to anybody gets a promoted or anything because, you know, you did a better job than, than me or Eric or John did. But it's highly it, – it, it really – it's unethical. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's unethical. Uh, it's complete. It's unethical. We're lacking morals in the department. I, and I can tell you this. You know what? There shouldn't be any racism in the department. And right now we're seeing a mass amount of racism. And I can, I can tell you this. I think right now, even Tariq Shepard himself, he may not admit it, but he, he must be. He has to be asking himself, if I wasn't under Mayor Eric Adams' administration and he wasn't cutting the department by fighting racism with racism, would I be bumped up four ranks? Would I be put in this position at such a fast pace? Would I be promoted? Am I really capable? Do I have the abilities? Have I showed the abilities to actually be put and catapulted in this manner? He has to ask himself those questions. And again, I want to reiterate, I've been saying for the longest time, I'm asking for an elderly white male that's been pushed out on this job to actually speak up. We see retired males like Chief Fox, nice guy, but never speaks out about the atrocities that are going on the job. Here's Chief Essex completely being pushed out. He's not speaking out either. And again, I say it all the time because I think it's about self-preservation and it's about them paving the way for their offspring or someone because they're always greasing each other's palms. And that's the problem. There's favor after favor amongst these higher-ups, and that's why, and I'm saying it right now, that's why they never speak out because their kids get taken care of. They get taken care of with some other job. Chief Fox working with CCRB. That's why they never speak out. And they're hurting everyone in the process. Absolutely. Listen, guys, we're going on an hour and 20. I want to start to wrap it up. Sal, is there anything you want to go over before we end this? Anything we missed? Anything that you feel that we should talk about? Well, I say uh, that ride the other day sure was a doozy, wasn't it? Or as I called it, insurrection. It was an insurrection that happened. And uh, I believe that was a, another breakdown in uh, public safety. I understand that the child, you know, the children's parents have a lot to do with that and how they were parenting and 
how they're parenting their kids. But uh, that was a failure in public safety, and that falls on who else? Mayor Eric Adams and his deputy mayor of public safety, the unindicted co-conspirator, Philip Banks, who, by the way, I don't know, many years ago, he had his own case. He was should have been indicted, I guess. I don't know what happened there, but he roams the hallways on the sixth floor of the NYP in the uh, one police plaza and speaks to numerous officers. In fact, he basically tells the police commissioner what to do, violating the very rule. Once again, they terminated me for so at the end of this, with everything, everyone out there who has been behind me and supported me and prayed for me, thank you very much. To my haters, I don't want to use Eric Adams' line. I'm not that kind of person. But to the haters, I hope one day that you can at least see what I'm doing is not beneficial just for me, but to everybody. Because this could be flipped around. as It's an, employee, it's an employer case that could be flipped around for anything. Today, it's because it's a Republican or conservative in myself. Tomorrow could be a Democrat. Tomorrow could just be your employer wakes up and says, I despise this guy because I just don't like him. Do whatever you have to do to get rid of him, even if you break the law. That is what is at stake here. And that's what I represent. So if you do follow me, if, if you want to follow me, it's uh, at, on Twitter, at the Sal Greco, the same on Instagram. I do have Truth Social. That's at head of the table there. My website, salgreco.com. I post everything there. I have blogs. I have shirts. You can click the support button if you want to donate to me. You want to help me out. I'm still obviously in court with this uh, Eric Adams and company. But really, my message here is believe in yourself. Believe in God. God will see you through this. He's obviously watching my back here. So, Nothing, all is not lost. There's always time for improvement. You can always improve on things. So even though this looks bleak, I mean, we're talking like these things are bleak here and there. We're just pointing out hypocrisy and that this could be altered. This could be changed. It may not be overnight. It may take some time. Heck, it might be more than just us three, uh, you know, throwing banter back and forth about it. But when a, when a light shines on a cockroach or a family of them, they all scatter. That's the name of the game. Shine a light where the cockroaches are and you watch them scurry. And it's the same thing here. And with that, you know, I pray for the best. I love you guys. I love all my uh, supporters out there. And we're in this together. And don't don't ever keep your faith. There's everything. Well, you heard it here, Sal Greco. You know what? He's a friend of the podcast. And I want to say I'm honored to know you. I'm honored to actually uh, befriend you and get to know your story. And, and I can tell you, you showed – Great strength. You showed great perseverance. You're constantly fighting. I know you're tired, and I know you're exhausted, but you're you're showing powerful. Everything that you're doing is making a huge impact. You know, I I, I listen to David Goggins all the time. If anybody knows who he is, he's a he's a Navy SEAL. He's very inspirational, and he always says that if you're comfortable, you're not succeeding. You're not moving. And, and right now, you've been completely uncomfortable by this process, but it's only made you better. And you're succeeding at becoming a better person, a better man. You're talking about God, uh, your presentations, you're well-dressed, and, and, and you really are exemplary and, and a, a role model, a, a role model, I think, for other police officers, especially when you're wrong, or anybody in life, when, you, when you're wrong in a position and you show that you're, you're not going to hide and just fade away, that you're fighting back and fighting with the system. And, and I'm proud to know you. I really, you should be proud of yourself. I'm honored to know you. 
it, your story is really amazing, impactful. Again, I, I mean, every time I hear your story, I feel like, I, you know, it's, it's like the first time I hear it. I, and getting chills and goosebumps just hearing your story and, and imagine the pain that you've been going through. And, you know, we support you all the way. And uh, again, you know, we'll, we'll always stand behind you. And if there's anything you need, you know, please, I, I, I love to be there for you. And, and I'm sure John feels the same way. And, you know, I know we're going on for some time here, but I think this story is so important to get out. And I hope the next time that we have you on this podcast, that we have an opportunity to say, you know what? Sal Greco's name has been made whole. Sal has been reinstated. Sal has been compensated. And, and there's a settlement or some type of agreement. And then you could move on in your life. And, and there should be some type of eventually formal apology from the NYPD, from the city. And I'd also like to see that actual patrol guide procedure completely changed and revamped. And I'd like to show that procedure on this particular podcast. And that will be thanks to Sal Greco. Absolutely. Guys, do us a favor. Please go to the salgreco.com, helpthisnewyork.com, helpthisnewyorkcop.com, help Sal Greco out in his fight. Get yourself a Sal Greco did nothing wrong tank top t-shirt. Get ready to wear that because if this goes to trial, we expect to see you all there. I'll be there myself wearing a suit with the Sal Greco t-shirt. Sal Greco did nothing wrong. Um, that's how we support in this fight. <laughs> you know, watched the Sound of Freedom last night. Great movie. Biggest takeaway for me was uh, Tim Ballard was 10 months away from his pension. Um, 10 months away from his pension, having a vested pension, and he decided to go after a kid that he knew was missing and he believed he could locate. Um, Sal Greco could have bowed his head during this whole thing, took that plea deal that the NYPD offered him, uh, been targeted. This would be a completely different story. You would have never heard Sal Greco's name. You would have never known who Sal Greco was. He would have been, and he would be getting targeted now and probably still being getting fired by the NYPD. You would have never met Eric Dim. He could have went off and retired into silence and stayed silence, but something poked him and said, you know what? This is wrong what happened to me. This shouldn't happen to anyone else, and this is helping public safety. And the same for me. So there was a scene in the movie where he's 10 months away from his pension, and he's about to leave, and a guy that's helping him out, who was a former cartel member, says, all right, see you later. They called you to leave. You're going to leave now. You're going to go. You don't care like everyone else. It's all part of the bureaucracy. And Tim asked him, why'd you stay? And the guy said, when God tells you what to do, you cannot hesitate. And I truly believe that we're all here and we all have a calling and things happen for a reason. And there's a reason why this is going on. And it's your time too. God's going to tap you on the shoulder one day and say, what are you going to do? And I don't believe you should hesitate. Sal Greco didn't hesitate. Eric Dim didn't hesitate. I'm not hesitating. We're all in this together. Sal Greco, I thank you, my brother. Uh, you know, I truly feel you're one of my close friends now. And, uh, you know, I wish you the best and I'm going to be there to support you throughout it all. Thank you, John. Thank you, Eric. And once again, thanks to everybody out there. And like John and Eric are stating, your belief and your faith in God is everything. It's it's what's going to power you through this. It's what's powered me through this because I went through two years of a very rough patch. But I'm here and now I'm it's it's come to a head. Reality is set in. This is going forward and I will have my day, whether it's one way or the other. At this point, God is on our side. This battle is the Lord's. Ladies and gentlemen, New York's finest retired and unfiltered podcast. We'll come right back at you.